So when I worked in the beer business, there's a kind of a stark reality that you realize whenever you get into other vendor services, especially if you're on the sales side. I don't know how this works for every state because I think in some states, maybe the state of Kentucky, you have one distributor for a certain brand for the entire state. I may be exaggerating that or I may not be explaining that correctly, but in the state of Tennessee, you have multiple, we'll just stick on the beer side to keep it a little bit simpler uh, for wine and spirits. I don't know specifically, um, but for the state of Tennessee, you have distributors in Johnson City, Cookville, Crossville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Memphis, Nashville, Tullahoma. Uh, there might be some in Jackson. Uh, I, I don't know how many Miller and Anheuser-Busch distributors you have. It could be, it could be 30, it could be 35, 40, I, I'm not sure. The, the point is, if you want Bud Light, Ultra, Budweiser, certain brands, you're going to have to deal with the the Anheuser-Busch distributor. If you're a, a bar, a grill, a grocery store, a convenience store, a craft beer bar, you're going to have to deal with that distributor in your area. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no price shopping. There's no price comparison. There's no, there's no competition for those brands to see if someone can undersell the other person or to see if there's multiple suppliers that carry that brand and then you just like the sales rep that's the area manager for that market better than the others and they, they take better care of you. Well, that's, that creates a lot of pockets of opportunity for certain segments of business. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the Hispanic brands of, of beer, whether it be Modelo, Dos Equis, Corona, uh, Tecate, uh, Pacifico, a, a lot of those align with the Miller House or the Miller Houses. That was the case in Knoxville anyways. So you have an entire segment of business with the, the Hispanic concepts that you really can't make much inroad with because there's only so much Bud Light and Ultra you're going to be able to sell. And we had a, a beer when I was with Anheuser-Busch called Estrella Jalisco. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's a, a lot of uh, Hispanic customers that know that brand from Mexico. And um, it's something that did well with a lot of the kitchen staff members at some of those concepts. We would bring bottles in or I would bring bottles in just for the kitchen staff to drink a shift beer whenever they were done with working for that day. But in, in honesty, you're, you're so late to the party at that point when you talk about bringing something like that in in 2018, 2019, 2020. You're not going to be able to compete with Dos Equis or Modelo or Tecate or uh, Corona. And then Corona Premier, their, their ultra competitor. And now Modelo has Modelo Oro, I believe is what it's called, or Oro, however you pronounce it. I always, like, I always wish that I could speak Spanish, so... I would love to have the correct inflection whenever I pronounce these words, but no one knows Estrella Jalisco in terms of a national presence. And you're, you're honestly, you're going to struggle to try to make up that ground and in, in, in marketing and in brand management reality, you're, you're never going to make up that ground. It's not that the beer is inferior. The beer is great. And it's not that the pricing is way off or anything like that. It's just that you're so late to the party, you can't catch up. 
just like Truly and White Claw rule the seltzer world, and now you have High Noon, the, the vodka seltzers, just like Ultra is, is ruling the, 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 the premium light beer category or the, 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 uh, the, the top brand national domestic light beer category. Marketing dollars hit with these items. And there was a there was a focus on these items, and you planted your flag in the ground, and you made sense of all this when you were presenting these products to your demographic, and you were able to build out a marketplace for yourself, and good luck for anyone else ever trying to supplant that. So that's that's been that was my world for eight, nine, ten years on the alcohol side. Uh, I was a, a grocery and an off-premise sales manager for a local brewery in Knoxville that's no longer in business. I was a grocery and off-premise sales manager for a craft beer distributor based out of Nashville in the Knoxville market. I was also a craft brand manager for the Anheuser-Busch House, and then I was an on-premise, excuse me, on-premise, wow, that was, yeah, an on-premise sales rep for an Anheuser-Busch house in East Tennessee as well. So in terms at least of the beer business and that evolution here in the last decade, I have a pretty good finger on the, oh, that's that truck came out of nowhere. How about that? I have a pretty good finger on the pulse. I'm just kidding, folks. Don't, don't freak out. Uh, a lot of these I do while I am in the car, but I promise that it's hands-free and, and my, my eyes are open and clear and, and there is safety protocols being practiced practiced ed <clears throat> the the major point of the beer side of, of the the introduction to this is at least in the state of Tennessee and I believe in all states because of the reality of the three-tier system you you can't price shop people because there's only one distributor for your entire area that carries that line of, of of Hispanic beers. There's only one distributor in your area that carries Bud Light, Budweiser, Ultra. There's only going to be one distributor in your area that carries Miller, Miller High Life, all the Miller brands of domestic beers. And the same can be said for certain craft beers that sign distribution contracts. Black Horse is only available through Eagle in the greater Knoxville area. So there's there's a built-in safety net to that. There's, I'm not going to say that it makes sales reps or area managers or brand managers lazy. It doesn't. It's just the reality that they, that they operate with within that business. Well, I'm on the food side now. And the food side is a whole different world. Because whether it's Cisco or U.S. Foods or Gordon Food Service, H.T. Hackney, Amcon, there's just there's a multitude of suppliers that are all offering the same items. And you really have to have a 30,000-foot view as well as a 500-foot uh, view. You have to be able to look at the reality of, of owner-operators' businesses from both perspectives uh, to be to be competitive and to be successful in this market. And so there's, there's a part of that business that I really enjoy. Uh, there's, there's a part that's, that's, that's challenging on a different level. And then there's a part also that's terrifying. 
because what if you don't have enough buying power to be competitive in a certain area? And I'm not saying that's what I'm dealing with. I'm just saying these are, uh, these are business realities and scenarios that you may come into contact with. You, you really have to know how to sincerely talk to people. And uh, again, none of this is self-promotion. None of this is uh, me breaking my arm to pat myself on the back. I, I'm just saying, I, I've always found it interesting with Mike Rowe and, and Dirty Jobs or Dirty Work, whatever whatever his show was called, and then the other shows that you see on TLC Discovery, how things are made, how, how manufacturing plants work. It, it's always interesting, just like on The Wizard of Oz, to, to get a look behind the veil and to figure out the reality of what's actually going on versus what's your, your perceived perception of something is. That, that's a bit redundant. The, the reality of the thing that you think that it is versus what it actually is, there's usually a stark difference in those two, those two worlds is what I'm trying to say. I had some idea of what the, the food supplier side of this world was like before I came into it, and, and now the reality, the reality of it is something completely different. Not in a bad way, just very different. It's just all very different. And so you have to ask yourself the value of your relationships with your customers, the value of your level of service with your customers. If there's an, an issue with logistics, if a case is damaged, if something's misshipped, if something's not shipped at all, if it's left off an order, if it's left off a truck, or if you make an order uh, input mistake yourself, but your area is, is very far away from your warehouse, what are your strategies on things like this? And how, how are you servicing your customers when something catastrophic happens in terms of your supply chain and just your operating business? These are all questions you have to really ask and these are, these are questions you have to answer not only for yourself, but your customer base as you're trying to either maintain an existing territory that you may take over or build out a territory from scratch. And so all of this is fascinating to me because it's, it's tied to the stock market. It's tied to the reality of the American economy. It's tied to, what would you say? It's tied to cynicism because people don't trust anyone in sales. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Let me get parked here and we'll continue this thought. Radio silence, that's that's a no-no, isn't it? Oh look, Walmart's got kayaks on sale. That's awesome. I don't know where this reality came from. In, in the world that we live in now, and, and I'll, I'll finish up with this thought because it ties to the sales side of all this and just whatever it is you do f for a living. I feel like everyone's world is, is so much busier than it's ever been before. A, a huge portion of that, unfortunately, is something that probably seems like a blessing to us a lot of times, but it's also a hindrance and a nightmare. It's technology. It's these smartphones, it's these laptops, it's these super high-powered computers and all of this other electronic and, and digital um, 
commodity and entity products that we deal with. Everyone's accessible 24 hours a day. Text message, email, phone call, social media. Everyone's life and their ability to separate work, church, state, work life, personal life, it's all gone out the window. We're all British, European, uh, provincial ambassadors everywhere now. We're all doctors. We're all military generals. In terms of, of just anyone's ability to reach out to you and try to communicate to you at any moment in time, seven days a week. And, and that's, not, that's not good. It, it's not good at all because the, the family fundamental in our world is something that is eroded time over time, at time after time, or, or, or through the, the last several decades and, and I don't ever discuss politics because if anyone ever discovers this in a, a managerial place of power for anyone that I ever worked for, it's very easy to terminate someone that says something outlandish. And we've talked about this before. We all know that. Whatever you think cancel culture is or if you don't like that word, uh, there is a reality where people make mistakes and there is no forgiveness. And they lose their job and they become social pariahs. And it's an awful situation. Because regardless of what you believe in in terms of an afterlife and a higher power, if you cannot show grace and you cannot show forgiveness as a human being because we're all imperfect, then, then what are you doing? What are you doing exactly? If you are so narcissistic and you're so self-absorbed that you cannot give people grace, give people a second, a third chance, if everything is always cynicism and everything is always a question to you, that's a difficult life for me to imagine living But the sales side of things, back to this, everyone's so busy. Whether you're a business owner or not, you're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Uh, some people are working two jobs. Some people are working three jobs. You're doing everything that you can to make enough money to pay your bills and to support your family to the best of your ability and to hope at the end of those bill payment cycles throughout the month or throughout each paycheck cycle that you have money left over for savings or anything that you're hoping for. A newer, a newer used car. A, a home, a better apartment situation. A, an RV, a, a trailer to help you move things if that's part of your side hustle. Maybe someone run, runs a concession business. Maybe, maybe someone's trying to, to do lawn care or landscaping as a side hustle. And then on top of that, you have an email address. Maybe some people have two email addresses like myself. Every 15 minutes you look down, you have 10 more emails. We don't know how these people get our information. We don't know how the spam callers get our personal number, but they have it. They have access to it and they inundate your inbox and your, your telephone number constantly with an attempt at communication. Well, a lot of times what I do for a living feels like the, the living embodiment of a spam email. And it's hard. It's hard to process that. Because I, I don't mean to take everything personal. And I don't mean that I'm super sensitive. I, I just mean that I want everyone. And I, I really and truly mean this. I know how ridiculous this is going to sound. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to have a great life. I want everyone to have a great job. And to be... Uh, financially solvent and to be self-reliant 
and to have enough money for themselves, whether they be single or not, but also for their, their partner and their, their children, whatever their family is. Puppies, kitties, parakeets, Komodo dragons if you have those as a pet, snakes, spiders, whatever your family is. I want everyone's reality on the face of this earth to be something that is generous and robust and an opportunity for them to make good, functional money for, for themselves and for their, their life and their family and their circle of friends. That's not reality at all. Uh, that's, that's never going to be the case, unfortunately. I desire that. I want that to be reality, but it's not. And so when you look at what I do for a living, which is a lot of cold call sales on people, you always have it in the back of your mind. How are you able to connect with someone? How are you able to communicate with them? How are you able to knock on the door and get your foot in the door and not have them think that you are just another communicational pest that's trying to rob them of their time, which they have none to give? And I realize that's a, that's a heavy-handed indictment on the sales industry in general. And I don't mean for it to be. But just as COVID has magnified so many different aspects of our society that were probably always existent and, and bought, brought them fully to the surface, it's a challenge to do what I do for a living. Not in the same way that it's a challenge for our, our men and women and, and all of our beautiful, beautiful individuals that are in the military protecting our country or law enforcement or medical professionals, private security, different jobs that are literally life and death every day. It's not a challenge in comparison to that. But in terms of your mental health, just dealing with and conversing with people on a daily basis and not feeling like a loser because you may literally walk into an establishment for three, four, five, six, seven years with a price sheet trying to convince them that you offer them a level of service that's worthy of them purchasing product from you. The flip side of that is we have success stories. I have two accounts that I've worked on for seven months. One of them is purchasing for me now and the other one has filled out an application and I, I hope to be able to, to, to really and truly gain their trust as a supplier and to become a partner in their business. And whether that, sells like, whether that sounds like sales speak and if it sounds melodramatic or not, I don't know any other way to communicate it. Owner-operators in bars and restaurants and food concepts don't have to buy from you. They can buy from any supplier they want to. So it really levels the playing field. So when you have someone that you've been working on for several months or a few years or several years and you break through, the dopamine hit and the, the high, the emotional and the spiritual high that hits your body over that length of time, however long it lasts, I can't really compare it to anything else that I've ever dealt with in my professional life. It is such a feeling of elation and accomplishment and it, it just drives you. It, it's food for your soul to continue doing what you're doing. And when you run into the next, uh, the next tough customer that takes months or even years to try to break ground with, you understand that you have ammunition 
in your mental belt where you can tell yourself, we've been down this road before. Sometimes these situations do work out and we do reach a compromise. And this individual is going to understand that you offer them value and you offer them service on a different level. It's a wild trip, man. It's a strange thing to try to gain people's trust in a time in America where no one trusts anyone and no one trusts anything. I'm very thankful to God to be in this this industry and I'm very thankful for this position. I'm very thankful for the wonderful people that I work with. And I'm also thankful for all the wonderful people that I worked with on the alcohol side as well. Uh, There were some amazing human beings that, that just taught me valuable lessons and gave me lifelong friendships and, and, and all of this is something that's not only a resume on a piece of paper, but it's, it's, a, it's a life resume for you to understand the decisions you make and, and why you are the way that you are and what's really and truly important to you. That's just, that's my thoughts as the wizard behind the veil to let you know what really goes on. Just a little bit of, of reality on the beer side of, of, of supplier realities in America and on the food side as well. Have a good day.